Welcome everyone to the Reflection Artist Live podcast hosted by myself, Justin Lobato. Set your calendars to tune in every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time or 9 a.m. Pacific Time where I will be bringing you industry spotlight interviews live from my active detail shop or an industry event. So if you're curious about who is who and what is what in the detail industry, don't forget to subscribe and tune in every Wednesday for some of the most exclusive interviews. Okay, so we are streaming live, and today is, what is today? Oh, November uh, November 24th, day before Thanksgiving. And we have with us today our special guest, Matt Kelly, which is, this is going to give us episode 53 with Matt Kelly on Reflection Artist Live. And Matt has been in the detail industry, if you're not familiar with him, uh, for 24 years, and he is, I mean, uh, what I would consider what you would say a serial entrepreneur within the detail industry. Not only does he have uh, a lot going on with Ceramic Pro, which most of you may know him by or through, but I mean, there's there's multiple other brands. I had to make a list because he has so many, but, you know, naming Hydrosilex, uh, Detailing World, Ceramic Pro Auto Spa, which he was the first initial spot for that, uh, and Americana Global. So there's a lot of different brands that he um, represents, owns, and you know has made successful or continued success of those brands. However, we want to get kind of the backstory for those of you who may not know Matt to hear about his path in the industry and has come up from his early years and 24 years. Not to say that he's old, but he's he's becoming a veteran. Yeah, let's not um, beat around the bush. <laughs> so. Uh, nothing less. Thank you, uh, Matt, for joining me on, on the podcast and, um, yeah, I'll let you have added in regards to talking about, you know, what brought you into the wonderful, wonderful world of detailing in your early years. Well, first off, I want to say it's really good to see you. I did not have a chance to go to SEMA this year. Um, just because, you know, it would have been my 11th year. I'm just a little burned out and with all the regulations and stuff, it was kind of like, yeah, maybe I'll take this year off. So, Hope everything went well with you guys. Um, again, I was really sorry to miss everyone out there. But. I unfortunately <laughs> am guilty of that myself. I didn't get to go. Oh, you didn't go? Okay. No, instead I, I went out um, on Wednesday to California and did a nice little run of visiting some storefronts, the Buff and Chime facility, and then we had a Mafia weekend in Big Bear with Randy and the crew. Yeah, we had it's a hundred yeah. detailers there. Bro, that's so awesome. That yeah. that that uh, network has grown. Um. I, I met those guys a long time ago and I'll incorporate that into my come up here. But so, yeah, if you want me to rattle on about my uh, past a little bit, I'm happy to do that. Um, it all started for me when I was about 16 years old. Um, I first picked up a buffer, burned a little bit of paint in my life. Um, I was taught by uh, a Mannheim auto auction, right? So their way of detailing versus how we detail now, two different things. Uh, but they did teach me kind of the core of it. And uh, from there, I kind of fell in love with it, right? And immediately got into uh, creating my own business, uh, doing this on the side. And that just rapidly grew um, from good relationships, creating a network, getting yourself out there, right? We, we can't just kind of sit in our shop and hold the buffer. You got to go meet people, right? And so I did that and uh, created Autobionics, which was my very first um, detail facility. I uh, had some employees and um, we were doing, you know, traditional wax and corrections and all that stuff. What uh, year time frame was that, Matt? I was 16. So, yeah, we were 24 years ago from now. I mean, shoot. Yeah, that was a long time ago. That was the mid-90s. Uh, yeah, mid-90s. God, 
darn. That's a long <laughs> time ago when you say it like that. Um, but yeah, I was in little old Mannheim uh, with this business. And uh, I met Barry Thiel back then. He was my neighbor. We actually kind of start, started off on bad terms and became friends quite rapidly. Um, but from there, I kind of uh, incorporated ceramics. And well, how did I hear about ceramics? Well, uh, I was living in Florida at the time in Fort Lauderdale, and me and my brother were running a uh, yacht management business. We were doing, uh, you know, corrections and wax and all that stuff. And one day we were just kind of like, you know, we got to find something else that can make us different from the, from our competition at that time. And, uh, you know, because it was a cut, cutthroat market, you had guys that weren't paying their taxes that, you know, really didn't have a real business and they could undercut us significantly. So we had to kind of determine the value in using us over them. And so we actually cut work early, you know, Florida rain. Sometimes it sets you up from uh, working those days. Yeah, and we sure. jumped on YouTube, right? We jumped on YouTube and just started like researching car care products and other things of that sort. And we came across a company called G-Tech, right? And this was, shoot, maybe back in 2010 or 11, Mm -hmm. Something like that. I mean, my dates probably are all over the place. No, that sounds about right. Yeah, because that's about when I met the Detail Mafia and all those guys. But so I found G-Technic and man, you remember the first day that you saw a coding perform for the first time and it was like, <laughs> like, what is this devil's magic and why don't I have it? So we found G-Technic, immediately um, looked for representation in the U.S., couldn't find it. Uh, they were only out of the UK at that point. So that's how I met Rob Earl. Um, we found his info, called him, asked for some of the product. He was super excited that an American found him because it's every, you know, international country's dream to get into the U.S. market. It's one of the largest. So he was like overly nice about it. He sent us some products. We used it. We loved it. What and was at that time frame, what was the the the, so, the products that they unoffered compared to now? Yeah, so back then it was just C1, brother. It was C1 and then they had C2. Yeah. Um, and that was, C2 even came a long way till now. Yeah. But we got those two products, we installed it, we were blown away with how it performed, how it looked. And that literally created a monster because I was like, this is what I want to do, right? This is different technology. I have something exciting now to talk about and introduce people to, right? I was on the leading edge and it was a great thing. The problem was, is that back then details were, you know, a hundred bucks for a paint correction, maybe like 200 bucks, 300 if you're lucky. And so now we're trying to sell this coding service for 500, which back then was a lot of money. Today it's a yeah. steal. But back then, man, trying to change people's minds on, this money to that money, it was, it was tough, right? And well, how, did it, how did we make that happen? Education, right? We educated our customers. We did a couple promotional jobs too, don't get me wrong, just to kind of get it out there, create content, et cetera. Um, but the education went a long way. And um, from there, I was able to kind of build my business model around this coding. And uh, we were selling less and less wax jobs at that point. Well, you had to restructure, right? You had to kind of reinvent 100%. the wheel for yourself, much less the yeah. market. It, it, at that point, we had a, a business identity change, right? We were like, we're no longer a wax shop. You know, we'll do wax if we can't get you to do coding, but we're a coding shop. And there was one day that we just decided that. And it was a scary day. Don't get me wrong, because the, the original thought was, well, if I code a guy's car, 
I'm never going to see him again, right? I'm not going to get that residual wax customer. And I immediately threw that idea out because what we were charging actually made up for a couple years worth of that client. So it just needed the last two years before a redo and we were making more money every year. So, you know, education worked and we started to build that business very rapidly to the point where Rob Earl started seeing our, um, our, our purchases, right? So at that point, uh, I ended up moving back to, to uh, Pennsylvania. My brother still is, is in West Palm Beach, Florida, running that business and kind of take it, took it as his own now. And um, when I came back to PA, it was a whole new client base of people that never heard about this product. So I was excited to get back out there and introduce a whole nother city of people to this product. And you already did it once in Fort Lauderdale. So why not, yeah. why not do it again in PA? Now you've got to resign. Exactly. Yeah. Now I can start over. Like, so any bridges I burned back then I could start over, but so in PA, um, we were moving so much G Technic that Rob Earl and I started a, a really close relationship. Um, great dude. Can't say anything bad about him. Um, but he saw our numbers and it got to the point where he was like, Hey, look, whatever you're doing over there, I need you to teach other people how to do it. We're not getting that, that traction that we're looking for in the States. We don't have boots on the ground they didn't have um you know what we see today of g-technic you know with eric and all those guys um so basically he kind of left it up to me that look here's what i want you to do you figure out how to get there and so i never did distribution back then um you know before that i was kind of didn't understand it but i was willing to try new things right yeah. always finding new opportunities we talked about that in the green room a little earlier and so at the, at the end of the day um I decided to kind of travel a little bit, teach other shops uh, how I was doing it and sell them the product. And now I was a distributor, right? By accident, basically. And so a year later, um, probably around 2012, I got a phone call from Rob and he was like, hey, look, I got an opportunity for you. Um, I found some serious money in the US, some investors that want to bring G-Technic headquarters to the US or at least have a US headquarters. And I was like, that is awesome. Like, I've been looking for the support because I've been out here doing it by myself for so long. Yeah. It'd be great to have someone to help pay for some marketing, et cetera. And so he said, look, I made it very clear to them that if they come on board, that they have to hire you, right? Because they had the money, but I had the knowledge, I had the education, I had the experience, and I've already been doing it. So it made sense, right? And I was went into that relationship very humble. You know, I, I didn't walk around like I was God or I knew everything because they knew a lot about a lot more about money than I did. Right. And they taught me a lot. too. And the one thing was uh, I was actually on the road in New Jersey doing a, uh, a mobile fleet of trucks. Like we're talking, you know, big rigs coding. Like I did 10 of them for one company and made a lot of money off of it, but they met me in New Jersey uh, for this interview to meet me and see if I would vibe with their team. And we immediately hit it off. They throw me the proposal. And one of the underlying factors, which was very hard to swallow back then, was that I would have to give up Autobionics as a service company, either sell it or just dissolve it. And so immediately I tried to sell it by reaching out to my, um, my staff. And obviously they didn't have the money, so I would work things out. But everyone was afraid to take on Matt's company, right? Because if they F it up, I'm going to come back and kill them, right? So... Um, Unfortunately, I wasn't able to do that, and that's fine. Um, 
they paid me more than I was making at the time anyway. So it was very worth the move, but I had to move to Connecticut, right? To no man's land, a place that I didn't know any, anyone, but these few guys that I was going to now work for. So it was a little scary, not going to lie. Um, but it turned out awesome. We actually opened up our own service uh, company out of G Technic called the G Technic studio. And um, at that point we began our trainings. We began, uh, running the service business. I hired Chris Larson at the time. Uh, he was my manager and uh, amazing detailer, absolutely amazing detailer. Yeah. And I then brought in Kevin Awalt. He was our second hire, um, stole him from his own business. <laughs> and uh, so we started the team, right? That was the, the small core part of the team. And we just went to work. Was there and really remember- any competition to say with coatings at that time i mean it was a really much yes. in the north american market yeah so at that time we had opticoat which was the number one right they were the first coating in america that was actually publicized or advertising etc uh, you had c courts coming around at the time um there was a couple ceramic pro was was available but it wasn't available in the u.s it was found in russia and that's when all the the lighter videos came out and we're blowing people's mind, like how hard this coding was. And it got me too. I was like, this shit is way cooler than G Technic only for the marketing at that time. Um, but so we, we built a core team and I remember bringing in uh, some detailers in the beginning. Uh, Claude Harris, I think may have been like my first customer. OG, OG. in every <laughs> single way. He is OG, bro. He's been around since Jesus detailing, um, but I met a lot of good people and built a a huge rapport in the industry at that time. That's kind of where I became more of a public figure was through that company. So again, I can't say anything bad about G Technic. I'm very happy that they're here and doing their thing and we're all doing our thing because of it. So, uh, but things happened, you know, um, not necessarily anything with G Technic UK or anything like that, but more so uh, just the American uh, management. It just, they didn't, really understand i guess how the detailing industry worked right uh things started to fail and i could kind of see the beginning of the end and at that point i had built a name for myself and was like look i'm not going down on this ship so i actually resigned and passed over my position to kevin as the main sales guy there yeah and you know he, he picked up a lot of slack don't get me wrong it was a lot of work though for and i'm sure it was very stressful for him and the team um, and I actually, you know, I went on a, a hiatus for a little bit for, cause I had a non-compete, right? First and foremost. So I had to wait it out, um, in Connecticut. I hit, I hit rock bottom, bro. That, that right there, if you haven't hit rock bottom in your life, then you don't know where to go up. Like you don't, until you hit bottom, you don't know where the top is. Right. And so it was to the point, like I couldn't find, I tried to team up with some of my customers from G Technic in Connecticut to open up our own shop and do G Technic and all that. Uh, I got robbed by one guy that, you know, terrible business partner on the face of it. I thought he was going to be the best partner ever robbed me blind. So I'm at the point now or then where I literally had nothing. I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew that I didn't belong in Connecticut. So I had to find my way back to Pennsylvania with limited money because I burned through all my savings and said, you know what, do what, do what I know. And so I reopened Autobionics. Uh, Man, I was so rock bottom. I actually had to live with my parents for a year. And I'll tell you, that that is humbling, right? Yeah. Uh, But 
that's not the teams. that's not the introductory to uh meeting a girl that you want to come out and say no, man, it's like, <laughs> here's, my, here's my roommate uh here's my older roommate. but yeah so you know I, I moved back with them i rebuilt the business and it, it was built back better man like i i learned so much along the way um, you know, I, I learned so much about coding too, that it, it was so easy to sell at that point. Like I was like, bring on the customers. I can't wait for them you to network give me the really well. Like you said, you became a public figure, you know, kind of under that brand. So you built your own equity to say, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's easy to do in this industry. Like there's so many awesome people in this industry and really I just made a lot of friends. Let's just be honest. I yeah. made a lot of friends that wanted to support me and and what I'm doing. And, and I was giving them a good product and a lot of good advice and helping them to get into this new age of coatings because we really didn't have a whole lot of people that we could look up to, right? Back then it was Paul Dalton. He, I was a big fan of Paul Dalton because he, he was like the original OG for bringing coatings on board in the US period. I mean, and, we all see and charging appropriately <laughs> five grand. That dude, when, when he charged five grand for, for a, a full car, I was like, yeah, this is this is what I'm this is what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you had Corey Carruth from C Quartz, who I looked up to, but it was it was limited. Like I didn't have a lot of mentors. I didn't. I was my own mentor, and it, you know. Yeah. You linked up talk. with Rennie too, and in, in the network there too. Yeah, one hundred percent. Then I met Rennie. Um, I met Rennie through the Detail Mafia. I met them first. Um, they came to um, Connecticut, and I trained like Jim Gogan, and we have a picture together with Doug and all these guys like so old school from like 12 years ago bro we looked so good back then um (laughs) but yeah i met all those guys when they were brand new too so watching everyone kind of come up in the industry has been awesome like it fills your heart with happiness that these guys are doing big things now and we watched them you know kind of kicking a can down the road way back when and and they made it happen so but yeah i met rennie then he invited me into his home um it started off with a, a new jersey um, a New Jersey meetup and uh, I forget whose facility it was, but Harry was there and all the original mafia members were all there and uh, they took me in like they, they took me in and I can't say anything bad about those guys. They're amazing people. They're doing it. You know, they're not just talking about it, they're living it. And I, I love that about those type of people. Um, but then I got to meet Rennie and that for me, you know, I really didn't follow him a whole lot before I met him, but I, I did hear the buzzword of Rennie Dole in the industry. So I, was, I wouldn't say that I was starstruck, but I definitely had a respect for him, not even knowing him immediately. When he opened his mouth, I listened. And um, he invited us out to Big Bear, uh, just me and uh, one, of the, um, one of the partners from uh, G-Technic. And it was great. We had a very intimate meeting. We talked a lot about codings, and he really was a big part in letting us into the mafia right so now they had a coding brand to kind of attach to and that was a great feeling yeah um, but yeah um so that was kind of the the thing with g technic right that's how that all happened and then again once i resigned and my non-compete was over i immediately picked up the phone and called peter debish and uh why did i do that well because i saw all the ceramic pro marketing back then and I'm like, you know what? Like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it with a good product. I want to do it with a good, a good company that has a good leader. And I can build on that, right? I don't want to have to try to fix someone's company. Maybe they're doing things wrong or giving incorrect information as to what their coding can actually do. And so I really liked kind of what Peter was doing. 
And back then, when I first called Peter, he blew my call off the first time. Yeah. Uh, he blew it off. And but Chris Larson had a little bit bigger of a name than me in the public space, right? Not so much what we were doing in our lives because they just didn't know me yet. But he was out there. He was on the social medias. He was like the guru for wet sanding. And so he had a lot of followers. And so Peter knew of him. And he got me a, a call with, with Peter, finally. And the meeting went great. You know, once I told him where I came from, what I've done, he then knew of me. And so he was excited to bring me on. But he was a startup company. And he had just hit San Diego pretty much spent all his money to get a house, to get the business set up, to do all that. He had nothing to pay me. And that's not so cheap like, in San Diego, either way you go. Oh, hell it. no. Yeah. <laughs> now, then, yeah. it doesn't matter. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so he had no money to pay me at that time. And, you know, but I saw the opportunity. I was like, look, I'll, I'll prove myself. So he worked out a deal where it was kind of like, hey, look, whatever you kill, you eat. You're going to be a distributor. Here's your margin. Make shit happen. And that is exactly what I did. I took it and ran so hard with it. It started off literally on my couch. Like that was my home office. And I built, you know, a half a million dollar in revenue from the couch. And then I hired my first employee that worked from my home, right? So we were at least close enough. Um, and it got to the point that we were just bringing on so many people and the brand was just blowing up. And again, this was just back then, it was just me and Peter and his original partner, a uh, guy's name was Jared. And that was it. There was no Adam Cote. There was no Brett Benito. There was none of these guys were available yet. Um, now, Peter was working on Adam Cote at the time to try to get another endorser or another person carrying the flag. But Adam was kind of against it at the beginning. I'm going to throw him under the bus uh, <laughs> because he, he built a brand on other products, right? And he was afraid to uproot that, that client base that know, knew what he was already using, OptiCo, right? So we built this company together and it got to the point where, you know, I started making some money, um, some life-changing money. And I'm an investor. Like I don't, my first thing I bought was not a car. You know, it, it was putting money into uh, building another business. And that business yeah. was the Ceramic Pro Auto Spa. So, and the you first know, one. Now, Correct. So I'm out here kind of selling the dream, but I wasn't living the dream, right? I wasn't doing what I was preaching. So I was like, I got to have my own shop again. And I need to create a, a battleground where I can train people, where I can network, where I can do all that stuff. And so I found a piece of crap building. It was 8,000 square feet. It actually was Lancaster's first airport. So it's a hangar. And I dropped about 400K into it my own money. No, I didn't take any loans. I dropped my own money into it and built this immaculate palace of cool, right? Um, it was a man cave for myself, but it was also a place to make money and, and do service. And I think I, I think I nailed it. I, I mean, I'd, I'd love to give uh, the viewers of the podcast a tour here in a little bit. Um, but we created that. And what was your, became, what was your build out turnaround on, on that, that, you know, it was one from, year, brother, one year, wow. like I literally bought a turd and polished it. it. It had no bathrooms, no wastewater. Like it wasn't connected to the city. Uh, the electrical was crazy. Like I felt like you flip a switch, the place is going to burn down. It was old. 
So it took us a while, man. Like the floors were asphalt parking lot and you can't put four post lifts on that. So we had to reconcrete everything like 400 K man, you know, it, it got spent there for sure. Um, but it was worth it in my eyes to be able to, you know, create this new way of doing detailing, right? Because back then, and then this was four years ago, there was a limited amount of people that kind of were investing in the aesthetics of their business, right? Yeah. I think yeah. My, my biggest, I was the biggest fan of uh, Northwest Auto Salon, uh, Blake, those guys out there, because again, I met them through G-Technic when I was invited to their property. I was blown away with their shop. I was like, wow, this is different, right? This isn't uh, a dirty facility. This, this is the dream, right? And I want this. And it made sense because how can we be detailers, you know, kind of selling clean, yeah. selling that vibe. And then your building looks like garbage, right? Like you're not, who wants to go to a dentist that the secretary's teeth are falling out? Like they're not practicing what they preach, right? You gotta, you no. gotta use. <laughs> they take right? the mask off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like who does your teeth? Hopefully not this guy. I'm not, yeah. I'm not in business. So but yeah, if you create that facility that kind of um, makes people feel comfortable, you know, I use this in a lot of my trainings, but, you know, there's two types of people in our industry and that's the, the OCD, the people that are physically disgusted by their car and they need it clean because they can't look at it. And then guys that want to show off because they're vain. And I'm one of those guys, right? I like to have a shiny car. It makes me feel good. It's yeah. like a fresh fade, whatever. Um, but when those, either two of those people walk into your facility and the floor is gross, you look gross, the walls are crusty, you're going to trigger them. You know, you're going to oh, yeah. trigger the OCD guy. They're like, I can't, I can't even be in this place. And then you're also going to trigger the guy that's vain. It's like, you're not living what you're selling. So yeah, I yeah. And people pick up on that. 100%. Yeah. So, you know, we created a, a beautiful atmosphere. Um, I wanted to kind of touch all five senses when you walk in the door. So we got sound, music, we got aesthetics. We got smells, burning diffusers, you know, you can even get coffee here. So your taste buds are entertained. Like we literally hit every, everything we could. Right. And it's worked. It's absolutely worked. Now, so a lot of the shops now, I mean, th this year, like, like 2021, you know, fast forward. Yeah. A lot of guys now are that they've taken that and they've seen that happen. Uh, what once was once a trend is now more than just a trend. It's becoming more of a standard. Like if, you have if you're to. not, yeah, it's just, yeah. The lights, Isn't that a good the thing though? Like, oh, amazing. It, it's kind of cool to think back and look on things and, and how you as an individual may have shaped the industry that we're in today. Right. Like we, all of us OGs kind of played a part in that. And again, I love seeing people kind of take, it's the innovation, right? Like, we help make things better. And, and the new guys today are going to make things even better for the guys tomorrow. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that loves to follow up with the trends. Like I'm, I'll never stop learning. I love no. learning new things, right. It keeps you on your toes. Um, but yeah, it's been a great journey, man. Uh, getting to the auto spa. And then from there, um, again, making a little bit more money. So I took that and invested into other things at that point. Um, I bought, uh, bought into Americana global with Barry Thiel and we built a really cool brand in there. I mean, Barry, Barry's a genius. Um, whether he looks like a dumb bear or not, he's an actual genius. No, Barry's um, a, a big warm bear. A big <laughs> warm bear. bear. 100%. <laughs> um, and he's created a lot of cool things for the industry. And 
we were able to build on that, right? Like I was yeah. bringing, bringing my marketing background to a guy that had background of creating things. Um, it was a good, it was a very good connection. And from that, we create a really cool company that you see today. Um, and then I did bring Peter into it. And at that point, um, we did buy Barry out, you know, on good terms, you know, he wanted to do other things and we were happy to pay him for it. And so we then, Peter and I owned Americana Global, uh, just the two of us, and created this, this really cool brand that is in almost every country right now. And we've built a Very training nice. series off of it. We've done a lot with Americana and you're going to see more of it now. Um, now, I did sell my shares, um, not that I had any problem with the company but more so that you know i'm doing 100 things right so it's kind of like those guys were getting it done they didn't need me anymore i helped build it at this point it was like here's what it's worth they bought me out and i took that money and put it into creating something new right yeah um and i did that and those guys are still killing it right now uh americana is still killing it i still exclusively use their brand in my auto spa because it's great stuff um you know, I still do all the trainings for Americana at Detailing World. Um, so big fan of that. But uh, Peter and I also kind of got into some other things. Um, and then I found uh, Hydrosilex, which originally started out being made in our kitchen. Um, literally made in our kitchen. We would bo bottle everything, dude. Like we're talking grassroots here. Like everything I've done, no one handed me money and said, hey, go do it. Right. I literally did it from scratch. I funded it myself and all that. And that's kind of the best thing because you don't owe anyone anything at that point. Um, but I worked with a couple people on Hydrosilex, created a huge brand. Um, it, it was at one point when we first started, we were the first people on Facebook uh, marketing, like the actual campaigns where you see the bottle slide down the car or all those that we created that. We were the very first people that were doing those videos. And because of it, Hydrosilex was doing $30,000 a day in sales. Oh, damn. Yeah. So that, that to me was like not even real. I was like, this is insane. Um, <laughs> and Make sure it, this it lasted. Is... <laughs> yeah, is this real life? Yeah. Um, but it lasted for, you know, about a year. And at that point, you know, we saw some saturation come in. We had to rebrand re, uh, re ourselves, you know, create an identity that we're different, all that stuff. And Hydra's still doing great. Don't get me wrong. It ain't doing what it used to do, but that's because the market's so diluted. Um, but it is a great product. You know, if people haven't used it, definitely try it. I think you'll be impressed. It's one of those things that's kind of the introductory to the coating series, uh, but it actually is very powerful. It's not like a, a spray wax or some of these other sealants. It's, it's a very powerful chemical resistant coating. Um, very easy to apply. So we did that. Yeah, and then, it's, a um, solid, it's a solid lineup that you have with that Hydrosilic series. And it's, it's, and it's growing. Like we're bringing in new, new things now. So, and then from there, it was kind of like, all right, I got a service company. I got manufacturing down. You know, we own some products. What's next? And well, hey, I don't have a place to sell these products, right? We're, we're going out trying to find all these distributors. We want to be in a box store, right? We're, we tried forever to get on Walmart shelves. And I'm like, why are we, why are we begging for their business? They take 70% of your margin, right? Which, Damn. yeah, so you don't really make money on Walmart unless you're, you'll make it in volume, right? But the amount of product you're selling and what you make off of it is insignificant. But really what it's about is exposure, right? Yeah. Getting on the shelves, you made it. Now people see you and you can build off of that. 
But I said, you know what? Instead of wasting all this time and money trying to get into Walmart or these other box stores, we had some conversations with O'Reilly and stuff. I'm going to create my own. And you know what? I'm going to make my box store cooler than their box store. Why? Because I'm focused on what I do, right? I'm not, I'm not putting Americana next to brooms or vacuums, right? Like it's, yeah. it's, a, dedica- it's a dedicated store and uh, you can find everything you need there, right? We have over 500 brands at Detailing World. Um, we now have uh, four locations. Um, two of them are in build out. So Philadelphia is actually opening up in a couple of weeks. Uh, Long Island is in process. New Jersey's been open for about a year. And then I have my location, which has been open since 2018. So we have That's uh, more of the north northeast region of the U.S. Yeah, I'm kind of trickling out, right? Like, because again, I'm, I'm doing everything myself. And pretty much everyone that owns the detailing world are people that I've came across in my life. Uh, at this time, I'm not really taking on people that I don't have a, a history with, because there's so many people that I do have a history with that have the means to open a store. Mm-hmm. Um, the great thing about this business model too, and this is kind of where the, where it works for everyone is the buy-in, right? You could open up a detailing world today for 50 K and that, that pays for everything that pays for having your, your shelf stocked and everything being locked into the margins and all that stuff, not having minimum order quantities. Like I do as the parent company with these vendors, right? Like if you want to bring on Rupus, you have to spend a, a big chunk to even prove that you're going to be a real distributor, right? They don't yeah, want Yeah, you can't everything. cherry pick. You've got to take on the oh. whole lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I did that with over 100 brands. It cost me a lot of money, but now all the stores under me or with me, they don't need to do that, right? They're just buying from my inventory. And so they buy as they need, when they need. And it's a beautiful thing and it's working and uh, these three stores that we're opening now, we're done within one year. So I really expect to kind of have at least another five stores, uh, you know, within, uh, next year for sure. Uh, we also just put a truck on the road for a mobile shopping experience, right? It's not just a delivery truck. It's more like a snap on type of situation where you can go on board and purchase. So, uh, it makes it easy for rolling up a car show and just opening the doors, um, but it's also going to be uh, an opportunity to drive around different cities where those people can't drive to detailing world and start building that customer base. And then once I have enough customers in that city, we drop a brick and mortar and the truck goes to a new area. Right. So nice. that's kind of my game plan uh, for this year coming up here. Um, truck's not ready yet. It's in fabrication right now, but yeah, so there's that. And then the final, the final part, um, since I've had a lot of downtime, kind of, you know, all my companies are pretty much running themselves right now, right? It, it's taken a while uh, to find the, the team to do it, um, to find the general managers, to find the staff that you can count on, right? And we have a beautiful team here at the Auto Spa. I have a great team at every company at this point where, you know, they're passionate just like I am. And that that is what's important, right? You got to find people that want to live the dream with you, right? Um And so I finally found that and it's allowed me time to focus on filling voids in the industry. And I actually have a couple inventions that are coming out and I'm going to be honest with you. It's game changer. It's a 100% game changer. Some of the tooling I have coming out uh, for the PPF industry. Um, I can't say too much because the patent is pending and the launch is not happening yet. I have the 
final prototype that's on its way to me. I'm very happy with the first two prototypes, but the final one should be the final prototype. Um, and then we can start packaging and all that stuff. But this, this tool is going to change the game for people um, that either don't have a plotter or that just don't have confidence when it comes to, I'm going to give it, a, I'm going to give it away if I say too much. Don't say too much. Let, just know that there's something coming down the line, right? Let, let's just say this. It's going to prevent a lot of liability. Um, it's going to create a lot of safety when working around cars and PPF and all that. Um, and there's nothing on the market like it. And that kind of blew my mind because it, it's a problem that every single PPF installer faces and no one has thought to take the time to fix this, the problem. Right. So I'm really excited to launch this. And, uh, from that I'm excited to, for you. I mean, I've been doing now, I got into PPF myself with my shop and growth two years now. And it's like any new little thing, it's like the, it's reigniting the passion of what I do because it's like, Oh, there's a new tool with detailing. Love detailing. Obviously that's the backbone of what we do, but yeah. adding that new service and having that new tool for that service is like, Oh, it's on. <laughs> but, but you need it. Like you need, you need to add other services, right? You can't oh, yeah. just be a detail shop anymore because you'll get destroyed. Oh, right? nowadays. Like, yeah. Every tint shop has coatings. Every PPF guy has coatings and tint. Like, PPF yeah. companies are starting to drop coatings. I mean, oh, yeah. I just I seen Excel one on as a, a, a marine coating cop coming out. That's impressive. Premium Shield is dropping one. I mean, I'm, yeah. it's like I'm seeing this in, in ads and magazines, and I'm like, if we don't evolve with this, people are going to be left in the dust as a, as a single service operation. It's smart on their part, um, you know, because there's a lot of synergy. You know, like once you have a customer. You want to sell them A, B, C, and D, right? And they're, they're giving away a lot of market share to the ceramic pros, to all the other coding companies, which are now doing exactly what they're doing in the reverse. They're offering PPF. Um, so, yeah, I think eventually if, if you don't have all three of those services, you're going to be losing a lot of market share. And it's very scary to send off a customer that you, you've earned, right? You spent money to get there, you met them or whatever. It's scary to send him off to the local tent shop to get his tent, knowing that he has coatings and everything else, because that guy ain't coming back. Yeah. Speaking, right. So we're a one-stop shop. We even started bringing in things that like are not even relevant to like detailing, just because we don't want to lose people. Um, fortunately, we have some mechanics on site, so we're able to do some really cool things. Um, but we got into caliper painting, which is a really nice. cool add-on. Right. Not really detailing related, but it is a small it's very easy to do and it's, you don't need a whole lot of overhead to do it. Um, we also got into doing the windshield skins, which is big money. Um, windshield you know, skins. Is that the, basically your windshield film on the it, front? Yeah. So it's an anti rock chip protection. There's a, a few brands out there. We, we use ExoShield. Uh, I believe there's Clearplex and a, a couple other coming out right at, actually right now. And they're getting easier to work with and it's a good addition. 100% because we have a lot of customers that either, you know, track their car or maybe just their windshield is 20 grand to replace. Like your Tesla wise brother, oh, oh. You ever got to replace that you're screwed. Right. Um, so yeah, it's an easy sell and uh, it's another thing that we offer here for sure. Wow. But, so yeah, show me this, this tour of, of the, yeah, let's do this. Auto spa. So it is lunchtime here. So we're probably going to see a lot of, a lot of guys eating stuff. <laughs> Start from the uh, 
the front of the house here. So again, aesthetically, we had to do some cool stuff. And so, let me turn this around here. So right here is our waterfall. That's not really falling right now because someone ripped the paper in the back where, and it, it will leak. So it still looks cool, but it used to be a waterfall. Uh, we just have random things in here, dude. I got like uh, the knight shining armor. We have our, our apparel and our um, just, you know, one-off things that you need to kind of uh, maintain the car that we just coated, right? So nice. we have your cleaners, you have your hydro uh, coatings, you have your silica soaps, your tire dressings, um, you know, all those fun things in here. I like the lighting on the shelving. That's really nice. Yeah. So again, it's, we wanted to create a cool, comfortable place, right? So this is kind of like a, it almost feels like a nightclub in here. Yeah. Um, yeah. We got our pricing up here, which is eventually going to be replaced with TVs, right? I'm a little analog when it comes to like Adam put paper, uh, but it works for us. Uh, in the showroom, in our kill room here, we have um, two of my vehicles that we have all of the services done to, right? So this is our billboard. Uh, this is a GT3 here that we did a full vinyl wrap on and coating with window tint, caliper paint, um, everything's on this car. And then we have the new one that I just bought. The Mercedes AMG GTR. And this is the Roadster. Oh, there we go. So yeah, this is uh, in our showroom here. Just again, it creates a really cool vibe. Uh, and more importantly, it's a selling vehicle, right? It's gonna have uh, everything on it. We can show our quality of work, full front on it. We can show it's seamless and all that. Got the boys here just kind of lunching right now. This is some of our team. Um, the whole purpose of the waiting room here is that it's transparent, right? So you're a customer, you come in and maybe it's the first time you're working with us. Well, you can actually watch your vehicle get worked on. Right, so this is our tent room. Lights are out again because people are on lunch, but you can kind of hang out in the showroom um, and see all that stuff. And then also in the showroom, off, off the showroom. Hey, Russ, can you hit the light in the cafe? Um, actually, so here's our reception. Can you hit the, uh, this is Russ, he's uh, one of our partners. Can you hit the light in the cafe? So this is our uh, reception area, right? You're gonna find a smiling, happy group of people that'll get you there. Uh, but in here, I wanted to build a facility that had the ability to cater nice. to events. So we have a, a full bar here, right? Got a kegerator back there. We got the full coffee set up. Um, and this is where we kind of, if we host events, I usually bring in the local breweries and they'll serve uh, beer out of there. And so it just kind of makes it way cooler uh, to have a car show when there's fun stuff involved um back here again we're kind of cleaning up for the holidays i think we got like three or four cars in here that need to deliver dude we're coating minivans right like so i want you guys to know that like yes we work on some really cool shit this is this package on a minivan right um rare yes i mean we rarely get that type of vehicle in here but people it want it that. yeah so here's uh, the GLE. This one, I don't know what's getting down to it. It's absolutely filthy. Um, we just got rid of a second lift because um, we did bring a scissor lift in, which is under the GLE here. 
for our, our caliper painting, um, but we only use the lift for undercarriage coatings, right? We're not really doing mechanic stuff. Uh, in here, we got uh, a clear bra going down on the Supra, right? Those are always fun. This one's in for paint correction, window tint, and all that stuff. So that's Very kind nice. of a nutshell. The auto spa, um, we do have a wash bay too. Just running that roof fast. Oh yeah, we got this really rare Range Rover in here. There was only like uh, less than 10 made. So yeah, it came from the UK. Nice. Pretty dope. So yeah, this that's your wash bay there? This one just dropped off, so I'm gonna full coating. Yeah, this is the wash bay, right? So it has the curtain nice. here, kind of keeping the humidity out of the rest of the area. Um, but yeah, this place works for us, right? Like we turn cars so quick, so the space really isn't an issue. Um, Oh yeah, one other thing too. So that cafe you saw, yeah, um, we actually found um, one of the local dealerships. The uh, owner, uh, the son, he manufactures guns. So we're actually going to be putting a gun shop in there. Yeah, so we'll have a gun shop. Again, it's synergy, right? It's going to bring in a different group of people um, where we can offer them gun coatings, and you know, most of those guys like cars too. So it just works out, right? We're just trying to bring in different walks of life. Now, your grand opening, how, when was that? That was 2015, 16? Of the auto spa? Of the auto spa, yeah. Uh, end of 17, I believe. Seven, okay, okay. And then when, when you got started with employee-wise, did you start with a good handful or did you grow from there? Just, just a couple guys and now it's grown even more? So it was me and the couple people that I brought in um, as partners, not so much for financial support, but more so uh, marketing support. You know, having more people talking about the auto spa was helpful to me. So I, I strategically partnered with people that owned uh, cars and coffee groups that were presidents of uh, car clubs like the Camaro Club president. Um, I made him a partner. Um, but basically, we started off staff wise with my cousin, who was the GM or the the shop manager in the back, right? He had the experience and uh, we hired a couple people off the street. And I think we had like three to start off. Um, and now it's grown a lot more. We have about eight, eight people. Oh, wow. In total, in total. Very nice. Not, not as many people as some of the other shops I see, but it works for us, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing. You can't, you can't gauge yourself up on somebody right. else's business model. I mean, just because you're, let's just say you're running, you know, you might be running strong and lean as to where they might have to be, you know, bigger shop, more employees, but they're not running the numbers the same way. It all comes down yeah. to numbers, right? It becomes stressful at that point too, because the amount of work that you have to have in the shop to keep everyone active, oh you know, if we gosh. have a slow day, it's not going to kill me, right? Like I'll still let the guys work a full day and it's not going to kill me, right? But, you know, at the end of the day, that's coming out of our, our savings, out of our profit, Um which, you know, as long as they eat first, what I make in the end, I'm happy with, right? Yeah. This isn't my full-time thing, right? But I, I get it with other guys that are, this is their only thing they got. Well, most likely they're probably working in the business, right? Um, I've kind of taken a step back and let other people, other staff make money. And then I'm just the owner, right? And I collect, you know, once a year, right? Distributions. 
um, or whatever we decide to take. But yeah, it's worked for us, man. I can't complain. So, so all that yeah. time put in, basically, you went from being able to, to work behind the polisher and work, you know, being a, uh, your own employee and being an owner all wearing the same hat to being able to slowly step back as you've made, you know, calculated investments, even with hitting that low point and being able to grow out of that low point and know where you want to be in the direction you want to be in. The most important thing is, is that, you know, we've, we've all heard you don't want to be behind the buffer, right? You need to be behind the buffer. You need to learn everything about your business. You need to know that. But as the owner, your most important thing is not running the buffer. It's to keep this place busy, right? So on a daily business, on a daily basis, you know, maybe the guys don't see me come in here. They don't see what I do, but I'm out there selling, right? I'm out there building marketing campaigns, uh, doing all that type of stuff so that we can keep the flow coming through, right? And that is the most important thing in the world. Secondly is, of course, having great staff that can turn out the quality because, yeah, you know, we, we went through some ups and downs here, just like any other business owner. And we finally have a very refined team, very impressed with. But before them, you know, I would keep this place packed and every, you know, 10 cars, one out of 10 cars, they would destroy the relationship with the client because maybe they didn't do the quality of work that, that we sell. Right. And, you know, we do have a quality control team here. But sometimes things get missed, man. You know, if you're busy and, yeah, I looked at that car, but maybe I didn't look at it good enough. And then a customer saw something, you know, again, we stand behind our work and we fix everything if, if it re requires that. But, you know, as a business owner, you're at the mercy of the staff, right? If they don't want to work that day, if they don't want to put the effort in that day, they're going to burn a bridge with that customer. And guess who's the one that has to deal with the customer? <laughs> I do, right? So if something breaks or something's not good, they're they're hidden they're padded they don't have to deal yeah. with it it's this guy right i gotta deal with the the ass customer that wants to bash you personally on google or whatever and fortunately we don't get a lot of that but it still sucks when it happens right mm -hmm. because you know people will remember you from their last bad experience not the 10 good ones they had so you know you got to go into damage control make sure that your guys reviews are good that's one thing man i i've seen response to reviews like, let's say you had every right to pop off at the mouth because the customer just left you a horrendous review. Maybe it was uncalled for. You can't be that guy. You can't. The rest off. of the world is going to see that. Yeah, the rest <laughs> of the world is just watching how you handle the situation. Like, yeah, don't get yeah. me wrong. Like, I would love to say what I, I'm thinking, right? But you can't do it uh, because then that just goes viral, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's a, a line you got to tread very carefully um but again it, it's worked for us here and uh quality is everything man you gotta you gotta sell the experience you know from every step of the way from the time they walk in the door they gotta be impressed to the time that they leave and they they will you know multiply they'll create that word of mouth you know no it's uh yeah i mean for for the again that track record and, and being able to see it that way and knowing you know what you have with a refined team and being able to sit back and i shouldn't say sit back but being able to step back and be able to watch that team put in the work as you're doing all the other things again a lot of people don't see that side of it you know you may step back from the work physical work side but there's still a lot of physical work that is in oh, front God. of you for running the business it may not be on the buffer but 
there's a lot that goes into keeping up with customer service, marketing, and everything in between that keeps the business and people going through that door. And that's that's your place. Like even in my shop, it's getting people in the door is my job. Getting people yeah. in the door, getting them to stay, closing the deals, and making sure that the work leaves with the integrity of what you put yourself as in the market, but nothing less. That's important, man, because there's so many competitors out here that are just waiting for you to slip up. Oh. So they can just slam you and take your business. And they'll so, shake yeah, we, your hands and smile in your face. Oh, man, I'm, I'm dealing with some right now. And I, <sighs> oh, God, I would love to dox him on this this web this webinar. But, I, <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's a lot of a-holes out there, man. You know, guys that are supposed to be supportive, you know. Uh, you know, it can happen within coding companies. Oh, but we're, yeah. We're supposed to keep the brand on, on a pedestal, right, and, and keep, the installers on a pedestal. And if, you know, look, no one's perfect. There's going to be shoddy work that comes out from time to time, but it's how you handle it. And so the way that I've dealt with it, if, if I have maybe one of my local competitors work come to our shop and he's a CP guy, I'm going to reach out to him and be like, hey, look, just so you know, I'm dealing with your customer right now. I want to give you every chance to make it right for him before I actually bill him to do this, right? That doesn't happen on the other side of the football sometimes, right? Sometimes people will just be like, you know what? He did a terrible job. You should never go there again. And you should come to us. And you're going to get that more than you don't. So, you know, we have to be very careful um, what we're putting out there. That's for sure. No, I agree. And my, my, my first response, when I ever get somebody from out of town or new to the area or even local that had a, tr a treatment done by somebody else, I always ask them, I'm like, well, you know, you should actually be returning back to the original person who did it. That'd be in your best interest. And then if they give me some kind of negative factor or they just say, well, I really don't want to, I say, well, is, if you don't mind me asking, is there a reason why? Yeah. And that way I can kind of get a little bit more information and then I'll be like, and I leave it alone after that. Once I gather that, that's all I need. And then I can know that I, it's okay to move forward with offering them services without bashing the other guy or even giving my two cents in general. Yeah, I think psychologically, um, when you become that guy that bashes the competition, your customer is going to not have a good feeling about you. Like statistically, customers don't like to hear people bash each other. Like business no. owners, they don't like that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's very unprofessional. So, you know, you're not really doing yourself a service at that point, you know. Um, let the customer make the decision. You know, educate yeah. him, but let him make the final decision. Um but yeah, they man. That's you, they put you in that position. Them customers sometimes, like I'm good. I've got good friends in my local market, detailers, great detailers at that, right? Like we talked about earlier. Once you reach that level of pinnacle in your craft, I mean, you're yeah. good. The only thing that makes you different is how you vibe with your customers, or how much longer you've been in the business, what you offer, whatever it may be. But I get that all the time. Why would the so and so? And it's like, he's good. You're in good hands either way you go. But you know, here's the thing. Here's my resume. 100%. This is theirs. I'm just this, just like going to get a, you know, a job at a business. This is his, this is mine. We're great people. You love both of us, but well, where do you want to go? Is that, that's about it. Either way, I got somebody else coming through the door and I hate to say that, but the it's reputation good. is what created that. 100%. You know, I, I don't know how you got there, but for me, um, you know, you're going to have your, you're going to spend money regardless and getting customers in, whether it's through sweat equity or through physical finance, but, um, you know, Google has probably been the most uh, profitable for us, um, you know, dollars 
you know, Facebook's great, right? Facebook for me is just like, God, it's it's a love hate relationship. It's just keeping the branding going. That's about it. It's the consistency. That, it's, it's it's you proving to other people that you're busy, right? But you're not really getting a whole lot of work from that. Um, but I find that the, the most important thing to do is get local, right? Get in touch with the community. We do probably about four events a year that are strictly community community driven, right? It's not even like a selling event. It happens indirectly. We have uh, trunk or treat, which is kind of like a trick or treating thing, but in the trunk of the car, mm-hmm. right? So it's a car show, and everyone dresses up their cars, and that one does great for us. Um, we do a Santa event, you know, kind of like the it's a rally, right? So it goes to different locations and ends up at our place. Um, I have a crypto event that we're doing December third. Look, I know guys, probably <laughs> me talking more about. I love it. I do detailing, but. I talk about what makes me money straight up and I've made a lot of money in this industry, but I've made even more in crypto. And so we're actually teaming up with the third largest coin in the world and they're coming here. They're on a U.S. road tour right now, but they're coming to my facility. So they've done a national ad campaign. They have people like from other States driving to come to this event because this is a rarity for them to be on the road. So it's going to indirectly bring a ton of people to the auto spa that maybe they didn't know we existed, right? But they're here to see crypto uh, and vice versa. We're giving value to our customers to educate them it. with another investment opportunity. So, um, but yeah, if, if I could give any anything for these guys watching today to go home with, you got to get out there. Like this is not a business for the timid. It's not a business for the introverts, right? If you want to be that, you're not a business owner. You have to come out of your shell, right? Yeah. You got to make friends. Let's be honest. If you had a friend that came in out of town, right? And he's like, hey, man, I don't know where to go. Like, you know, where's there to go out, right? And let's say you have a buddy that's a bartender, right? He's your friend. You're going to send that guy to the bartender because you're friends, right? And you're probably going to get a little cred from the bartender. Like, hey, man, thanks for sending that guy. And he tipped great. And you're going to get cred on the other side from the guy. It's like, yo, I had a great time. Your boy is awesome. Had a great time. It's the same thing with being out in the community, right? Once you make friends, you're no longer selling, right? You have to offer a good service and good quality. That's a yeah. good. But you're no longer selling because they want to see you succeed, right? They want to have that ability to tell their friends, yo, go see Justin, man, the owner. Like they love to throw that in. It gives them brownie yeah. points. Like, yeah, I know the owner. Um, yeah, go see Justin and, and tell him I sent you, right? Because they want to build up that those brownie points on both sides. Um, but that only happens when you've befriended someone, right? So when my customers come in, I'm not just immediately attacked sell mode, right? I, I talk about their car. You know, even if it's a car I can't freaking stand, a Camaro. I, I'm sorry for Camaro lovers out here, but I, I hate the new Camaros. I love the old ones. But if I have a guy come in here with a Camaro, I'm going to go out there and be like, man, that's a badass Camaro, bro. Like, this is awesome. And start talking about his possession because now that kind of brings the barrier down. It's like, okay, this guy's not just trying to beat me over the head with sales. Like, he really wants to know about me, right? And it, it just, it, it removes that, that barrier that we put up, a defensive thing. Anytime you go into a business where they're trying to sell you something, we put up this defense, Right. And that's a way to bring that mechanism down 
and just befriend the person. And you will find that you will close a lot more deals in becoming cool with someone than just straight hard selling. Like, this is what we got. This is what it's worth. Right. So um, definitely get out there, guys. That's all I can say. I love it. That's great advice. And that's, and the funny thing is I usually ask for some last words of advice and you covered that without even me asking. Oh, that, well, was listen, awesome. I'm, I'm that was awesome. I'm looking at the clock right now, bro. I'm trying to keep you on track. <laughs> on I appreciate track. it, man. Well, we are coming up on that time and I do appreciate it. And you guys heard it. I mean, Matt Kelly, you got the story, you know, you know what he's, what he's had to do to get to where he's at. It just wasn't handed to him by any means. And obviously, you know, he's hit rock bottom. So all and everybody, that is in the detail industry or any industry in general. There's no excuses other than getting up off your ass and making it happen. That's what it comes down to. Absolutely. And see an opportunity and building relationships. And, you know, it all goes back to that term that your, your net worth is worth your network. So, you know, it's building that out and, and, and making it happen. And I definitely appreciate you being on, you know, the day before Thanksgiving, giving us an hour of your time. Oh, good, brother. It's all good, man. Um, if I could do one plug here, I would yeah. have to say that um, we are running an early Black Friday sale for uh, Detailing World. So the website is detailtheworld.com. Um, you can sign up for a wholesale account, but we also have a coupon code. It's um, DWBF sale. And uh, that's the coupon code. It varies, but it's a pretty significant discount. So we kind of wanted to front run some of these other, uh, you know, supply chains. Um, so get it while you can for sure. And how would people reach you if they wanted to reach out to you, Matt? Uh, well, you can always catch me on Facebook, um, Matthew Kelly, um, or you can catch me at, um, Instagram, which is ceramic pro underscore Matt. Um, those are pretty much the two things I use for the detailing industry at least. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Well, thank you. And again, episode number 53 on reflection artist live with Matt Kelly Definitely got to check this one out. And thank you for everybody who has taken the opportunity to listen or watch. And then if you're listening on a later date, I'm sure you will get a lot out of this like you have with other podcasts. So Matt, thanks again, man. Have a good Thanksgiving and I'm going to get back to it in the shop, bro. All right, brother. You have a great one. Thank you. You too, man. Take care. Thanks for tuning in this week to Reflection Artist Live. We hope you had fun and learned something new. If you missed an episode or are looking for more, check us out on our social media or podcast platforms. And join us next week when we have another amazing guest. Don't miss it. We'll be talking business, life, and detailing. Also, don't forget to check out BuffAndShine.com for a variety of buffing pads and accessories for your detailing arsenal.